Welcome to the Frakes on Film podcast. I am your host, Ryan Frakes. In this podcast, me and a guest will have a little chat. Then we'll sit down and watch a movie we've both been recommended many a times by viewers like yourselves. We will watch the film, discuss it, and decide whether or not you should still be recommending it. If you're interested in any of the films we're watching on the show today, you can find them over at Movie Madness on Southeast Belmont Street in Portland, Oregon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's start the show. On this episode of Frakes on Film, I am joined by actor, comedian, writer, musician, producer, director, and Chipotle enthusiast, uh, Neil Phelps. He is a co-founder of No Apology Films here in Portland, Oregon, who recently last year put out the web series Smoking Demons. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Can I make one quick correction? Yeah. Uh, Chipotle guru, at this point, I've actually recently been um, elevated, I guess you could say. Elevated. Yeah, I got the call for myself, actually. Okay. Can you, was, <laughs> can you explain that? Well, when I was dreaming, you know, I came to myself and I said, you've been at this for a long time. I think you deserve a raise. And how, I was I was inclined to agree. How does one become a Chipotle guru? Um, it's, it's definitely about opening that third eye. It's definitely about um, getting in touch with your inner being. Um, but once you're there, it's, it's clean guacamole skies. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay, so I gotta ask you, just starting off since we're already here, why why do you love Chipotle so much? Um, it's good when it's warm. It's good when it's cold. Put it in that fridge. It sometimes gets better flavor. Um, you got to get that burrito bowl. You got to get it to go so you can shake that mofo. Nothing worse than just digging into a Chipotle bowl and just getting straight up cheese and beans. You know, you got to make sure you get a little bit of each in that dip with 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 each scoop. Right on. And that's um, this takes practice. Uh, it takes a method, you know, but if you've got the method from a guru like myself, you can, you can be eating Chipotle the way you should. Right on. As short as one to two visits. I do have something for you. What is that? For showing up on the show today. This is for you. Oh my Chipotle gosh. Chipotle guru. This is a gift card for all of you, uh, non-physical viewers out there. And this is the, if you could look at my face right now, you would see a face that might scare you, the joy that's coming from it. Because I imagine if, uh, even if you're a Chipotle guru, you still have to pay. This is true at this point, at this, this point, at uh, this juncture, yeah. So is this part of your, your acting career? You want to be the spokesman for Chipotle eventually? Uh, it, would, it would be nice. It would be a nice way to, to, to kick the ball off, I think. <laughs> right. Finally recognized for my talents in, in both those ways. I'm glad we could dive into that. So as far as your acting and your comedian mm-hmm. shit that you're doing right now, yeah. you're doing stand-up in town? Doing some stand-up in town. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, good. I wish that I had uh, signed up for Portland's Funniest, uh, but I didn't this year. But I'm just, I'm just having fun with it, to be honest. It's tricky doing stand-up. I went there last year, man. They have, they've got, I've got some friends. Uh, Justin Ammerman, I went and saw him two years ago yeah, there. You know, they just have an insane cast. Even if you go there on Tuesdays to Helium, yeah, they got no, so many the, good people. The best curated uh, open mic there is in Portland. So. so as far as instead of acting, do you think that uh, stand-up is, it must be like a lot different? Do you still feel comfortable? Is it different for you? Still the same, still the same fear that's associated with any kind of live performance. Uh, I definitely feel like I had a step up in that I've done performance my whole life. So for me, it was just, knowing how to handle that same fear that you get. Um, how to work an audience, I suppose, is a little bit easier for me. 
Um, but I am also kind of one of those subscribers to uh, stand-up takes a really long time to get really good at. So just having fun with it, just being a newbie to it. So in the past you did, uh, you've done the web series, you've done acting, you work with No Apology Films, mm-hmm. um, and you do lots of videos and things. Did you always know that you were going to start doing stand-up or was this something to like no, this branch is, out? This is just for fun, honestly. Um, I love acting. Um, I love performance. And uh, I was doing improv for a while. The hang up there is that you have to have a team. You have to rehearse with that team. And my primary money-making position is a bartender, which is a late-night game. Most people who are actors who are trying to do night stuff have nine-to-fives, but uh, I would never want to be um, at a desk. So I love bartending. Do that. And then, uh, man, I got off track. Um, it's fun. Where was I? You're bartending. Where am I? Where are we? Nine to five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a little trickier. So stand-up's a little bit easier to just... Uh, there's a great website in Portland, PDX Stand-Up. You can go check out whenever the open mics are. Most of the time, you can just sign up that day. A lot of the time, you can sign up there at the event. So it's easy just to get out there and just try. And I think I got a good solid five to ten minutes at this point that I could rock a good ten-minute set. Maybe 15 if I stretched. Yeah. Um, how's yeah. the how's the writing different as far as you writing these skits and you coming up with these jokes that you're trying to hit home and with all these viewers? I think time? there's some similarities in that when you when you feel a good idea, if you don't put it down right away, it's gone forever. Um, I so, do I do that all the time. I think like even I mean I don't do stand up, but yeah. I always think of like oh that would work really well in a film or that yeah. would work really well in you know, some sort of script or even in stand-up if I did do yeah, it. Yeah. But then as soon as you don't write it down, yeah. like now, right now, I've got it in my notes on my phone and I just kind of like jot things down. Right. Like, That's yeah. what I do too. Yeah. I was doing yeah. my phone too. I get so annoyed with the iOS though. Cause it's like my storage fills up because the software updates take up like half my storage. And then all of a sudden, it's a shout have, out to Apple. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I have a great idea and I go to my Google docs and it won't open because my it's uh, so now I'm trying to carry a physical copy uh, around with me all the time. But yeah, just I think the biggest thing is taking good notes sometimes too because I'll write something down. I'm like, man, this is so funny, and then I look at it later and it's just like the other day I looked at a joke and it's first grade teacher receiving gifts. I, I get kind of what I was going for, but I don't. I don't. I don't really and I went saw I went and saw you do stand up a while ago over on Hawthorne, and you're always shooting something filming something, writing something, doing something in production. How do you find the time to juggle all these different things? Um, I mean, it's like a nonstop process, right? Yeah, I just, I, I get, I just, I can't, um, I kind of can't sit still. Um, I can, yeah. So for me, it's just, when I'm by myself, just kind of have to be just for me to, for me to feel happy at the end of the day. I kind of have to feel like I, I didn't make a wall, but I put a brick down. I really like that thing Will Smith said. That like he's like I don't I don't you know everything I've done in my life I've done one brick at a time. Every day I just try to get one brick down. Yeah, Will so, Smith, Aladdin genie Will Smith. Yes, same same <laughs> one one the one and only the true the true Will Smith of the world. <laughs> right on. So I want to talk about you moved here from Chicago. Yeah. Um, you've been here for three, three years. years. Yeah. And uh, so, a little under. Did, so, no apology, you started it with a couple friends, or a friend, yes? 
Yeah, uh, first thing we actually did was with a buddy of mine, Nick Yee, who has done all of our graphics for Smoking Demons. Um, uh, we did a quick, quick short there, and then I moved here, and I did a couple sketches, and the now five episodes of Smoking Demons, and we're moving on to a food cart comedy. Um, so was the whole purpose, would you say moving to Portland had a lot to do with what you wanted to do with the company, or what you wanted to do with your production itself yeah it was in the suburbs at the time so i knew i wanted to get to a place that's a little bit more saturated with with um, creative individuals and i didn't know what it would be like here the theater scene or this or or any of or any of those things really um but i did know that i wanted to be in a place that i felt comfortable um and excited and you know i'm uh, a young dude so i want to just pick a place in the world and uh it's kind of between colorado and colorado and uh Portland just got up and moved here, and yeah, I like it. Right on, yeah. So, and then your first big project was Smoking Demons, and you guys put out the whole season last year. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Technically, the sixth episode will be the culmination, but I don't even know if we're going to get to that in a while because we're kind of <laughs> honestly, we're, well, we're just kind of honestly, we're kind of sick of the kind of sick of it's a lot of work for these episodes and. We found out some issues, just like our episodes are up to 20 minutes and the current model is a little bit closer to 10 minutes, but the way that we've crossed genre in between comedy and horror, it there's so much exposition that to fit it, to ram it down into 10 minutes, would have just been a completely different show. So what you're telling me, so like, same thing with podcasts, I'm trying to, you know, I try to shorten it so I'm not mm-hmm. going two-hour podcasts, right. right, you know, but are you one of those people that firmly believes that it has to follow that model of being shorter? Or can't we just, like, grab an audience and just have them there? I I would love that. I'm trying anything at this point because my views are, like, you know, I've got one video that's got 3,000 views and the rest of them are, you know, like, 100, 200, 300. Uh, so it's like my mom just clicking back and forth between yeah. back and refresh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you heard it. Go watch the stuff. Yeah. It's good, man. Go it's good. It your, uh, yeah. I wouldn't help you a little bit on some of the episodes. Uh, yeah, you it's did. A fun, it's a fun cast. Yeah, it's actually a great cast. And it's... Thanks. I, you really like... I mean, can you explain a little bit what the actual show is about? Yeah. Uh, origin story. I was bartending with my friend Nate May, who ends up being a co-star and producer on the show. Um, partial writer for an episode or two. And, um, I turned to him and we were just coming up with stupid stuff because we worked in a comedy theater, curious comedy theater, shout out. And, uh, I turned to him one day and I was like, yo, what if weed was the cure to zombies? And we loved the idea. We just started riffing off of it. And the next day I showed up with episode one written and, um, I just started writing more and more episodes and we were like, let's shoot this thing. You wrote the first episode in a day. Uh, yeah, I think that night. <laughs> right on. Yeah. When you're inspired, man. It's just yeah. how it happens. Yeah. I know, I've been there before, too. Yeah. So, um... That first script had a lot of issues. It ended up <laughs> cutting, like, a whole scene, because it was just, like, so auxiliary. Well, that's what happens, is you're so in the moment when you're writing it, and you're yeah. like, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Then yeah. you kind of, like, get into it, and... No, no, yeah. no, wait. Okay, we could, we could change this, we could do this, yeah. you know. Um... So you guys might be putting out episode six. Yeah, episode five just finished. Actually, today we will have the credits in, the render out, 
ready to go up onto YouTube. Perfect. Um, episode six, I kind of want to build into that 10-minute model because it's so simple. Um, spoiler alert, it's kind of like, a, it's kind of anticlimactic in a fun way. Um, trying to close all of the holes in the plots that you're expecting to close. So, um, but until then, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pivot. We're not doing a food cart comedy um, about a uh, cult following, cult f- followed, I guess you could say, food cart um, that serves disgusting drinks that for some reason people are addicted to and will wait all day for these three bozos that leads to... Sounds to me like Chipotle. Uh, it wishes it was Chipotle, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't have a hand in writing. Okay, um, right on. Which is exciting for me because I've always wanted to do more production stuff uh, with my friend's work and uh, Kevin, the co-founder of No Apology, wrote this piece. So, right on. Yeah. And so, I mean, this will give you time to kick back a little bit. Yeah. You know, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. I, I find directing to be so much more stressful than acting. Really? Acting is so joyful for me and directing is about making people happy. It's like being, for me, directing is kind of like managing a restaurant. Um balancing plates and like telling people to balance plates and it's uh i like it i like it um but i, I definitely like acting more and that's weird it's interesting how people do that right you like acting more you think this is like way too much where i if i was doing something i would think that i would enjoy the directing aspect a lot more mm-hmm. i think because i think you just have like this vision in your head and you want to like do it right i think it's more so that i'm obsessed with attention and uh, <laughs> you have to be on screen. I love, I love the spotlight on me. It's um, not, it, not shocking to me, man. Yeah. If you don't know right now, this dude is wearing a tie-dye crop top t-shirt. Mm. <laughs> Tasty. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, 4th of July. He's ready to go party. He's got his red, white, and blue socks on, too, which I just realized. <laughs> yeah, ready to rock. Ready to rock. So, if you, uh, I want to talk about you do other small videos on your own time, which I actually want to talk about. You do a video online about you film yourself opening all your junk mail. Oh, yeah, I like <laughs> so, that one. That's a good one, man. Uh, how does how does one come up with an idea like this? Uh, it's because I, do, I have, I, ref- I, for some reason, I can't open junk mail. It just makes me so nervous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, makes, what, are you, what are you scared of, man? I'm afraid of, like, opening one of them being like, you owe me money. And I'm like, I do? Like, I don't know. Most of them actually try to give you fake money. Yeah, and I hate that, too. <laughs> did you, did you learn this while opening this on camera? You were like, oh, man. It was more like... It was my more fears like a, are gone. Yeah, it was like a cry for help. It was like, it was like <laughs> do this with me, Facebook. Please. <laughs> right on. Please aid me in your eye-watching. Yeah, and you're constantly doing stuff on your own and making these... You have a whole Chipotle thing happening where you go to Chipotle. You got, like, alter egos, too, correct? I guess you could say that, yeah. Yeah. Developing a few. I feel like you you balance between. I developed characters. I developed one of them with you actually. Yeah, John John Officer Bromble. John Bromble. Officer John Bromble. You give us a little bit of John Bromble. Well, I, I mean, he's right around the corner. I brought him with me. Oh Here yeah. One sec. Where's he at? Yeah, come on in. Officer John Bromble here today. Gonna give you just a little taste here of this tomato soup I made. Here, we put some of this in your mouth. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this one actually here is made from chicken scratch. Uh, also, we put this one together with a little bit of tomato and basil. Uh, make sure, kids, that when you're making your chicken and tomato soup at your house, that you clean up all of your pots and plants. 
Right on, John. Well, thank, thank you for coming in and uh, sharing the soup with us. Absolutely. Wow, right on. Well, uh, there's the door. <laughs> no, man, that's awesome. John Brummels, he came up. We were doing, uh, we were filming. What were we filming? We were filming train tracks and just filming the city that day. Mm-hmm. You are just testing we out found a Sigma a, lens. We found a, a, okay, you found a shopping cart and we're pushing it on the railroad tracks. That was great. <laughs> and you just came up with this dude, man. Uh, and it's really fun. It's cool to see you come up with all these characters, especially online. I'm always interested to see the Chipotle guys, obviously the newest one for me, which I don't even think is a character. I think it's actually you. I think that's the closest I've ever been to myself. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I don't, you know, I, I know we've talked about Chipotle a lot, but I don't, I don't get it. It's my thing. I don't know. It's, it's, it's you know, I've got friends and they just, fucking can't get enough of that shit it's my life work and you're on my list i'll get to you eventually but um i've got a few people to knock down or lift up in the time being i don't all right well i want to get on to the main part of the show right and so on the show me and the guests we talk about um we decide a movie that's been recommended to us multiple times uh that we have never actually gotten around to seeing and I'm actually pretty intrigued by this film because um, you chose it because you are a bartender. And I have been recommended this movie uh, quite a few times, but I've never actually gotten around to watching it, mm-hmm. even though I enjoy the actor a lot in it. Um, so the movie we're watching the first time today is Cocktail, the 1988 film starring Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue, uh, directed by Roger Donaldson and written by Haywood Gould. Um, you, I'm assuming, chose this movie because you're a bartender? Uh, yeah, I heard there was, uh, um, there's, there's things to be enjoyed as a bartender. I, I just feel like I've heard, most of the time I've heard it, it's like, oh, well, you've seen Cocktail. <laughs> you <laughs> haven't seen Cocktail? And you're a bartender? Well, you have to see it. Well, that's, how, that's why this whole thing started was because being a huge film guy working at the theaters for 10 plus years... I always have family friends that are always like, oh, yeah, Ryan's, you know, Ryan knows what I'm talking about. And I'm like, I actually haven't seen the movie. What? You haven't seen that movie? Like, it's one of those what the hell, man? You've been doing this your whole life. How have you not seen that movie? Have you not gone around to it? It's like, dude, I can't watch everything. I can't watch everything in the world, right? right? That comes out. We've seen plenty of times. So before. this is what this is. This is this is me putting myself out there, being vulnerable gonna watch this movie i haven't seen everything i'm so glad you've made yourself vulnerable for tom cruise singing (laughs) drinks i know in tight shirts what did you call it the scientology mixology right uh scientology (laughs) mixology (laughs) but maybe the science of mixology okay there's a good book called the joy of mixology by brian regan i'd strongly recommend for anyone who's trying to be a bartender out there right on there's your recommendations but yeah so we are going to watch cocktail uh, the funny thing I want to talk about before this is I actually, the only thing I know about this movie is that Tom Cruise is a bartender. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it earlier and I didn't want to read the synopsis because I'm trying to think of what the main problem in this movie will be. Like is what, what is going to be the dilemma in this film? Like, is he going to be like, is he going to quit bartending to like go cross country to like stop his favorite martini shaker brand from like closing down and not making a more realistic ending for a bartender's timeline is like just like 
slowly recovering from alcoholism quietly from the rest of his family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, if you, had a, if you had a guess, like, what the actual plot line in this movie is or what is going to happen, what would you say is going to happen in this movie? Every time I think of uh, this movie, I also think of the pool movie that Tom Cruise is in. Oh, yeah, with uh, Paul Newman. With Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking maybe Paul Newman comes back for this one. <laughs> okay. And he starts, I don't know how you do it's it. It's a color of money. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you do it. What's it called when you uh, when you trick someone into, you, you convince them that you're bad and you're really good? Is it sharking? What is it called? Um, I guess. When you when you when you when you con someone into thinking that you're bad at pool and then you kick their butt a bunch of times, isn't it? Is oh, you're like a yeah, it's like sharking or being like a being a shark, like a ringer or something, like a shark, yeah, yeah. pool shark, yeah, yeah. Pool shark. totally. So I think you Paul think he's going to be like a Paul is going to come back and he's going to be a shaker shark. <laughs> okay, and he's, he's gonna, just sitting there like <laughs> he's going to stand at the other end of the bar with the eight ball and get way cuter, pocket. way cuter girls talking to him. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get. Way better juices for his cocktails. He's gonna uh, uh, have way better garnishes. And okay, just a little bit more freehand with cinnamon on top of on top of drinks. Okay, and Tom Cruise is gonna get really pissed about it um, and talk to management. <laughs> right, that's on. the end. Probably. That's the end. Okay, <laughs> this guy's gotta go. <laughs> Taking my girls. All right, so. Me and uh, Neil, we're going to start watching the movie, and we'll be back uh, here in a bit. Well, like one second to your Yeah, one perception. second. We'll one be second back in a perception. second. All right, we're back. We watched Cocktail. We've watched Cocktail. Neil, what did you think about Cocktail? Um, first and foremost. Um, I mean, I, you're, you're a bartender. So yeah, so I, I, mean, I think dragons were a weird twist for the end, I think. <laughs> No, no, there's no fucking dragons in the end. So what? So the Ice King comes in, and he's ready to take down everything. Daenerys. Yeah. Stopped it from happening, thank God, after she babysat. Um, uh, man, probably just peaked your mic. Uh, what do I think about this movie? I think, it was a, I think it was a good movie. Would I say it was a great movie? No. No. Absolutely not. Great cult Classic, I think, honestly. But For bartenders. Yeah, I think we need more poems is what we need. Okay, yeah, that was one twist. Like, okay, we walked into this movie not knowing anything about, like, what was actually going to happen besides Tom Cruise being a bartender. We ended up with poetry. We ended up with Australians. We ended up in Jamaica. <laughs> we ended up with uh, cheating spouses, lots of bets. This movie really has quite a bit going on than I thought it would not. <laughs> That's a good summary. That's a nice, <laughs> you know little, what I mean? That's a nice little package fit for you. No, for sure. Um, the one thing I learned from this movie, uh, the flugelbinder is the name of the plastic tip on the end did of they, your they get shoelace. It right? Did they get it right? I don't know. They talked about it, but if I, I never knew the name for the plastic tip on the end of your shoelace, but they called it a flugelbinder, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to go with that for the rest of my life, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you took from this movie as a bartender? I'm interested in the writing of this movie, uh, largely. I think it fits a format, and I wonder how much it was manipulated to fit the contemporary modern audience, or at this point, the contemporary modern audience. Um, I'm really interested into why they took some of the turns they did. I'm wondering, first and foremost... There's a lot of turns, let's be honest. Was this writer a... 
a bartender at some point? Because I kind of feel like they researched bartending. They weren't bartenders. Can I, actually, I'll tell you something you know? about this, this writer. Um, uh, Haywood Gould. After this film, he wrote about, I want to say, two or three other films. And he was his career was ended completely. Do you wow. think that this is a reason for that? Um, so here's my... Okay, so I think this movie does not work in 2019. First and foremost, the misogyny is real, boys. Um, and this is on, like, the kind of shit that we're fighting now, which is, like, these... We under- had to take in account that this movie came out in 1988 and not now. 100%. 100%. 100%. And we're totally going along with the idea that I mean, like, at this point, we're dealing with, like, the princess, you know? Like, you've got your female who needs to be swept off her feet and saved from her life, which in this case is an Even though you fucked father. up her life. Even though you fucked up her life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's, like, an absent mom, too, which creates this weird Freudian thing with the walkaway. There's all this talk about, like, bagging chicks. Excuse me. Like, bagging <laughs> chicks at the bar and, like, being basically... Having value in sexualizing yourself and sexualizing your clientele and then sexualizing, uh, like using that sexualization of all these controlling parts to take money from rich men and money from rich women. It kind of felt like it was uh, like a love letter to capitalism under the dark, damp light of a bar. Yeah, that's deep. Um, The weirdest aspect of it, though, is how they wrapped up the film, which is it seemed like they were getting to a place. I think potentially this writer, I see an ending of this movie where there's there's conflict resolution and there's character arcs between Coughlin and 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 Tom Cruise, just like upending their lives and realizing the mistakes of their past. But that that would have been so far beyond what this movie was was yeah. trying to do. And I'd like to point out to people listening that we did not have Tom Cruise going after the discontinuation of his favorite brand of martini shaker company going out of business and trying to fight it. Nor did we have Paul Newman from the color of money coming back to the bartending realm to help or screw up Tom Cruise's life. This movie was so much we different. We were kind of on point with that, I though. mean, yeah. It, it was just wasn't Paul Newman. The main conflict about halfway through this film was that Tom Cruise cheated on potentially the love of his life. And we spent half of the movie combating that from the perspective of this dueling relationship between these two fiendish capitalists who always are trying to one-up each other and inspire each other, um, which is kind of like this like discussion about, like, are we using each other or are we are we growing with each other? And there's like this weird, confusing, like juxtaposition of those two things coming into play. All under the pretense of like, and that's again where I say I feel like the writing was forced into these monocles, or like not these monocles, but these like in into these like uh like this framing of of a bartender's journey. Um I, I like to think about, I thought about it when I was watching the film. We The movie opens up with Tom Cruise chasing a Greyhound bus with a bunch of his military buddies and him not being able to find work, which was a really weird situation. Uh, the so first place. weird. But I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a prequel to him becoming Ethan Hunt and becoming part of Mission Impossible oh. where he uses that 
army. That flair. That, yeah, of course, man. The army and the like, flair. I would like to see what it's like. He's full James Bond. Yeah. He can make you the martini could, that he's Could Ethan Hunt, like, can he just, like, fucking shake out drinks and he, spin them around his head? You know what happened like is he have? comes up to the bar and he goes, shake and not stir. And he goes, never mind, I'll do it. <laughs> and then he goes <laughs> yeah. behind the bar. Exactly. And drops a bottle. And Coglin comes back from the dead and grabs the bottle before it hits the ground. Yeah. It's a... Uh, Okay, so I guess we're getting to the point where the whole idea of watching this movie and watching these movies that we haven't seen that have been recommended to us forever is should people keep recommending this movie to people or should they just let it go and just kind of like take the hit that cocktail wasn't that great and you need to just move on and stop recommending it. So here's what I think the profits are of this movie. The character arc of Coglin is actually probably the most impressive arc of this movie, which is that of someone... I mean, as, a, as an actor, I would die to play that role because the character is uh, ultimately trying to find, like, this really deep, um, like, uh, non... Um, non-grasping. What's the word I'm looking for? Non... He can't. It's, it's this. It's this big, lofty idea he's going after, which is uh, just out su- of reach, like success, yeah, and happiness internally. And his methods um, are befriending people, and essentially, what he's doing is he pushes Tom Cruise away in a way that he thinks will draw Tom Cruise closer to him. It's this, It's really yeah. odd, because he's both... Yeah. He's one of those great friends. Yeah, great you know? friends who fucks you yeah. over and also helps you the Then same you come time. running back being like, I'm so sorry, you were right the whole time. You know? Yeah. And Which is like, that doesn't really happen. I mean, you fuck... You know, that happens, and like, they're like, you know, fuck that guy forever. But right. like, really... Was it Coughlin? Coughlin, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, he's... he's he comes back, and he's... He's there... As that guy that taught Tom Cruise to do what he did, yeah, and uh, step the step mentor one mistrial, so. first mistrial, don't trust your lovers. Coglin punishes him for being too optimistic about the world, being too bright eyed and bushy tailed. Punishes him, says, yeah. "Hey, this is the punishment you needed to see. Better to have come from me than from someone else." I don't want to walk around. Essentially, it was my best friend being a dumbass. Yeah, no, this movie is basically like Coglin being the misogynistic person that he used to be and seeing his new Tom Cruise bartender going through the same shit, but he's like, you know he's what? kind of like a great hat teach hacker. You. I'm going to teach you just he's, slowly. He's, an, he's, not, he's, he's like a hacker for sure. He's not a white hat hacker and he's not a black hat. He's not like helping people smuggle children. He's also like not taking down people who smuggle children. He's a gray hat hacker. He's a, a hustler, but he's also kind of a good guy underneath it all. He's deep. He's complex. And he loves Tom Cruise, and he wants to fuck over Tom Cruise so that Tom Cruise can be just like him. Yeah. Because he wants Tom Cruise to be like him because he wants him to be his best friend. He wants someone to understand him. He wants someone to, like, be there with him in his darkest times. So to do that, he has to show Tom Cruise his darkest intentions. Right on. Uh, So wrapping this up, would would you say that people should be recommending this movie to people? Again, case study on acting... Absolutely. Case study on uh, being someone who's interested in, in, in filmmaking, bartending. Sure. Filmmaking aspects, nothing really all that impressive from the shot list other than the boat that turns into a house or the house ha- that turns <laughs> the into the building a boat. that turns into a yacht. It turns into a yacht. Yes. Um, um, For me, it was just like, you know, if this is a fun movie, if 
you're doing a podcast and you invite a friend over to watch it, uh, or if you just come across cocktail, sure, fine, whatever. Uh, I think that this movie, maybe if it's recommended to your bartender friends, sure. Uh, to everyday average viewers, I don't think unless you can find the fun in it, that it should be recommended yeah. that much. I mean, I think it's a, I, again, I think it's a cold classic with some, it's just this It's a cold classic with bartenders. It's a cold classic with bartenders, but it's got this weird, interesting case study in it, this fun, flavorful character, Coughlin. And we get to watch Tom Cruise being sexy the whole time. A lot of it's a porn. We saw a lot of porn in this movie. There was a like lot of uh, making out and making having out. sex. And you know what? There's a there's a good forty minutes of that movie where we ended up stop shaking and throwing around drinks everywhere, which yeah. was kind of crazy. Yeah, he didn't do cocktails at all for a while there. Yeah, he was just dating a rich old lady and regretting that decision, trying to get back with his ex love. Exactly. So, well, there you have it. We watched cocktail. We came and did it. We watched it, so either you can want to watch it or not want to watch it. Uh, Neil, do you have anything left to say to the people before we go? Oh, man, I feel like we could unpack this for so long. <laughs> I really do. Surprisingly, um, yes. Um, uh, Tom Cruise, Coughlin, uh, bartending. Um, oh, I came upon this episode kind of fearing that I would see a technique that I fucking I just don't even want to learn to do it which is the over the shoulder throw where you essentially you throw something over your shoulder and you catch it behind your back you're talking bartending bartending flipping because I was like as a bartender I'm like damn if 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 Tom Cruise prepared for this movie for three months and he's better at flipping shit than I am I'm gonna be pissed ultimately he's not that great he did a couple over the shoulder throws maybe he got 10 12 takes Uh, so I'm I'm not uh, I just want to say I'm not as scared as I was walking in. Although the stuff they do is really well choreographed. So go see this movie just for the, for the partially choreographed awesomeness of, of Tom Cruise flipping bottles and, and making women unloosen their tops. <laughs> but come upon it with the, uh, with the reflection that this movie is certainly outdated for its certain uh, philosophies about capitalism and uh, the women. relations between men and women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right on. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Movie Madness. If you want to check out this film, if you don't want to check out this film, either way, you can find it at Movie Madness. It's over on Southeast Belmont Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, thank you for listening. If you if don't you, live in Portland, go eat something. Go eat something. I want you to be healthy. Uh, you can find Neil Phelps on uh, No Apology Films on YouTube. You can find Neil Phelps on Facebook to see all of his crazy Chipotle reading all of his junk mail videos. This has been a good time. Happy 4th of July. Thank you for listening. Go America. You heard it from Neil. Thank you. Make America cocktail again.